0: Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans, from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands
1: contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's it going, buddy? Dude, it's it's going really well. It's uh, going to be a two-man show. We're going to miss <laughs> Chad, but... Uh... Yeah, man. I mean, come on, let's let's just get it out there. You know, our boys are eight 0 You and I didn't think we would be at this point at this no. stage of the season. We they're, didn't. They're ranked they're ranked number one in the country, and you know Michigan is a you know basically a cheating dumpster fire of a football <laughs> program. I mean, like if you can't be happy right now, Buckeye fans, <laughs> I don't know how I could possibly help you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you set us up there nicely, PVH. Um, what we will dive into both of those things: Ohio State's number one ranking in the college football playoff uh, rankings. We'll, we'll obviously going to talk a little bit about the Michigan sign stealing scandal as well, but. You and I really haven't had a chance yet to talk about last week's result. Ohio State going into Madison, getting a hard fought twenty-four to ten win over the Badgers. So let me turn the floor over to you for a couple minutes before we move forward here. I just want to get your thoughts on, on what you what you saw in that performance from the Buckeyes.
1: Well, I think it's kind of what we expected, right? Yeah. Um I don't think you either one of us expected it to be a blowout. It would be You know, a tough atmosphere, although I thought they would, you know, be excited to play at night and, you know, they wouldn't be intimidated by that, which I don't think they were. Uh, It was somewhat of a clunky performance at at times, but... You know the the big takeaway. I, I mean, I guess I would I would ask you. Like, I never felt at any point like, yeah, they're pro- they're going to lose this game, it, mostly because the defense was so dominant and right. they, uh, Wisconsin really couldn't do anything offensively at any point. Did you really feel like? We were in any danger of not winning that game, even though it was pretty, pretty close for most of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you've seen me before, right? I just I tend to run, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I tend to be kind of, you know, a, a high strung Ohio State fan. So there were some nerves, but really? I kind of knew deep. I, no, I, I knew deep down Ohio State, uh, uh, you know, no, I to answer your question, no. I I never felt at any point like oh my god we're going to lose this game. I was a little nerved up there just briefly in the third quarter when Wisconsin tied it up at 10. Um yeah. but but I I have ultimate faith in this defense and uh I so so neither did you. You didn't really feel like at any point you they they would they would lose.
1: No, and you know, when Wisconsin drove the field uh, it's weird to see, the <laughs> yeah. uh, it, but there, there's always one a game. It feels like right, and that that's not even this. It, right. it feels like that's going back multiple years where the de- well, I, they would give up a lot of those types of drives in previous <laughs> years. But the, the, you know, any defense is going to give up a drive or two, and mm-hmm. then the answer right away. Yes, right, totally alleviated all any concerns at that point, and so. Um, that's exactly how
0: I felt after that, that touchdown, the immediate answer, I felt much better. And I felt like we were going to do what we needed to do to get out of there. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, so, you know, was it the most aesthetically pleasing game to watch? Absolutely not. But I mean, um, you know, taking it even higher up. I mean, I think what's funny is that and to your quote, like it's an old pair of dirty underwear or whatever. It feels very comfortable. <laughs> comfortable old jeans, yeah, yeah. What, oh, oh, jeans. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. what um, I said,
0: just for the benefit of our listeners, what I had said was that, you know, watching Ohio State win with their defense and run game in late October in Madison, uh, you know, just it feels like a comfortable old f- pair of jeans, right? That's just Big Ten football this time of year. Um, so anyway, that was the quote.
1: Y- yeah, and, and that's true. I mean, and I think – there has been an adjustment for all of us because we're just so used to this prolific offense mm-hmm. um yet you know we've had to endure just you know brain farts on the defensive end that just were maddening um but as long as you get the w you know that's all that ultimately matters obviously and um, I'm just getting more and more comfortable with the fact that the defense is gonna carry the day. And, you know, anybody that beats us is gonna have to put up a number that I think our offense is gonna be able to match. And mm-hmm. the defense is just playing so well that it gives me, you know, it, it lowers the anxiety level when it's just not a, you know, run out blowout that we've been, you know, sort of accustomed to. Uh, over the years. Not that we would expect that against a team like Wisconsin, but um, it just gives, you know, like a warm and, to your point, like a warm and fuzzy feeling like (laughs) the defense is going to carry us Uh, while the offense, you know, like McCord, you know, it was not the best performance. No, he
0: struggled in the first half for sure. Three first first half half. turnovers, yeah, for for McCord, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and then, you know, I mean, I I think the biggest thing for me, obviously, like, I I was, I mean, Trey was a difference maker he was um and i don't ever really remember him you know i I mean maybe it's just been so long but it it was just obvious right like you can see the things that you know we've all sort of maybe you know expected from him over the last three years so that was phenomenal to see and i think the game plan that day had for trey right like get him out on the perimeter involved yeah on the perimeter Mm -hmm. um you know uh, again like if you're an opposing defense like you you cannot stop everything so um that would that was phenomenal and it's ironic that chad is not here to do his victory lap as we're laughing in the (laughs) the glory of trey trey his boy but so that was huge and then you know the other thing and god knows that this is beyond me but i'm guessing you probably saw urban meyer did like his whatever urban thing and he was breaking down the offensive line and um you know was had some some high praise for those guys yeah he was saying you know qu- quite honestly you know they weren't very good uh to start the season and um you know really were performing at a you know higher level so this is way beyond my untrained eye mm-hmm. but to me that's the biggest thing right like Shit! If those guys are getting better, um, and I'll take Urban's, you know, uh, opinion more than mine or yours or anybody else's, and if he's seeing it, that's that's a pretty goddamn bullish thing for the Buckeyes going forward.
0: I agree with you. Uh, the, the run game was it was so refreshing to see. A competent, you know, more than competent rushing attack in this game. Trey Henderson, 24 carries, 162 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. Xavier Johnson even got into the act with a few uh, carries on jet sweeps, averaging 7.3 yards per carry. And it was just nice, complimentary football that we saw in this game. For the first time, it feels like in a very long time, I think for the first time this season, I said in the postgame pod that I thought this was as balanced an attack Ohio State has had offensively against a quality opponent that we've seen so far this year. You know, the the McCord turnovers notwithstanding, but, you know, 181 yards on the ground, 226 through the air. Give me that every Saturday from here on out. Maybe a little bit more in the passing game and fewer yeah. mistakes, of course, but... Uh, the one thing that I love about uh, Henderson, is he is the type of back with this kind of offensive line that isn't going to open gargantuan holes, that isn't going to s- sustain their blocks for too long. He can make that first guy miss. And when he's hitting the hole that, the way that he did in that game against Wisconsin, man, the dimension that he adds in the run game makes this offense extremely dangerous. And then, you know, we expect to get a Mecca Buka back at some point. You know, this and I, You know, I tweeted this to you guys. As a trio... Buca, Harrison, and Henderson have only played four games together so far this season. And, right. it, and right. it, it was early in the season when the offensive line was still getting its footing, when McCord was still getting his footing. So I, I think there's another level this offense can reach. I'm very optimistic oh, about that. I mean, right?
1: yeah, for, for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, and it all... You know kind of rest on mccord's shoulders mm-hmm. that's to be expected as a first-year starter at a high yeah. state or any college you know division so you know for us to expect you know greatness out of the gate is completely freaking delusional um and so having his full you know uh, arsenal of weapons uh is is huge huge Let's knock on wood i mean hopefully they can stay healthy and you know, I know every team goes through their fair share of injuries, and not that we're ever going to say, "Hey, that's why we lost the game," but it has been brutal, right? Like brutal. You know, it feels like just man every year, like we lose just this huge, you know, piece of the you know the puzzle. Um, and so, man, I'm just I'm hopeful that Trey can keep it up and stay healthy. Ibuka same. Yeah. Um, and, and you know that, and and then obviously you would expect McCord. You know, not not only with game experience, but when you have all those, you know, additional options, he's going to play better. Right. And it's like they, they can't just key on Marvin anymore. I, I agree.
0: So, I mean, we we were at the game. We were at the Notre Dame game and people forget Marvin Harrison Jr. had 30 yards receiving in that game. He was not a factor in that game. It was a Mecca Buka that carried them to victory. And he caught first down after first down after first down. He's the best slot receiver in the country. I mean, wh- who is a quarterback's best friend? Right, that slot receiver that can get you seven, eight yards on third and six and a good running game. And McCord up to now has not had either for a very long time. So I'm really bullish on the offense, you know, reaching another level here down the down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and beyond that, right, and you're right about Abuka in the Notre Dame game, but don't forget that Marvin was back on the field, right? Yeah. So if Marvin's not back on the field, then you're gonna put all your attention on Abuka. And so you know, it, it, even, even if he's, you know, whatever, even if the player is, you know, banged up, and I'm not saying, oh, it's a toughness thing, but if they're on the field, you have to be ready for it. You have to scheme for it. Yeah. And, and Marvin actually had a huge, that diving catch on that last drive as well. He did. It just goes to show when you have your complete arsenal of weapons out there, it's pretty bloody hard to stop. And so. You know, I agree.
0: Yeah, they've had that trio available for one meaningful game this year, and that was the Notre Dame game. And since then, it's been one guy in the other guy out. Um, So very much looking forward to to the return of that full arsenal of of weapons for Kyle McCord. PBH, anything else you want to share about that performance? Yeah, yeah,
1: just win that game and get the hell out of there. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I tweeted this after the game, but that 14 point win over Wisconsin, was Ohio State's largest margin of victory in Madison since 2000, in 23 years. So as much as Ohio State fans, and there were a lot of fans that shit on the performance. I was watching Twitter, a lot of people pooping all over McCord and, you know, crapping all over the performance. I'm like, that's a tough place to win, even when Wisconsin is not that good. The last two times Ohio State played in that stadium, 2016 and 2012, those games went to overtime. So, yeah. you know, just get the you know, f- throw style points out the window, right? It's it doesn't have to be a Mona Lisa. Get the win, get the hell out of there.
1: This this weird change of mindset from high State and myself included. You know, it's like when the offense is a little clunky, we're like, oh my god, the sky is falling. It's like, well, you, there are other ways to win a football game, right? Like, That's right. And and we can't we we, we can't appreciate it, right? Or yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, if you're on the Twitter sphere, then maybe. You know, it's just way too much noise. But well, um, hey,
0: credit credit Ryan Day for realizing that finally. I mean, because uh, look over at USC, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley, he still hadn't figured that out. Yeah, right. But Ryan no. Day has found a way to win, and this team can win a number of different ways. And I think if they do get yeah, in a track totally. meet with a high-powered offense, I think they can keep pace with a high-powered offense. I think they have that in them. So, mm-hmm. all right, we have to spend a little time on this Michigan sign stealing scandal. It just continues to get weirder uh, with a video. A dumpster fire. A dumpster fire and just weird. It's some of the shit you cannot make up. Starting with the video circulating this week of embattled staffer Connor Stallions standing on the Central Michigan sidelines disguised as a Chippewa's assistant coach wearing sunglasses, which we believe are the those kind of sunglasses that, that have a recording device in them somehow. And that was in their season opener against Michigan State. Michigan, this we're talking about a Michigan staffer on the sidelines posing as a Chippewa assistant as they're playing Michigan State. Now, according to ESPN's Pete Thamel, there was an airing of grievances between the 13 other Big Ten football coaches and Commissioner Tony Petitti last night. And also this just in, PBH, per Ross Dellinger and Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports, Big Ten athletic directors just met with Petiti for the second time inside of a week to encourage action from the league. They also vowed their support of Petiti for any action that he decides to make. And I'm going to read this. This is from mm. the article that just dropped 30 minutes ago. Quote: A decision from the league is uncertain, though options have been discussed. On their calls over the last week, in fact, high-level school administrators and Petiti have pored over a wide range of possibilities. There was talk, for instance, of a penalty not impacting players directly, But a suspension of coach Jim Harbaugh may be the most likely and, quote, cleanest penalty if one were handed down, one source said, end quote. I also just saw this quote from Purdue head coach Ryan Walters. Now, Purdue plays Michigan this Saturday. Walters said on his radio show today, quote, there aren't any allegations. It happened. There's video evidence. There are ticket purchases you can track back. We know for a fact they were at a number of our games, end quote. So there's mounting pressure on Petiti to levy some sort of punishment on Michigan immediately. Now, naturally, the Big Ten broadcasters, Fox in particular, they don't want any kind of punishment that might adversely affect ratings with respect to one of their most valuable television properties in Michigan. Joel Klatt, who's one of the stars of Fox's Big Noon Kick, as we know, he tweeted this earlier today, quote, Lots of sources and articles about how, quote, mad opposing coaches are about Michigan, dot, dot, dot. The level of anger has a direct relationship with the success Michigan has had over the last two-plus seasons, dot, dot, dot. Also, the level of anger is not grounds for an unprecedented overreach from the commish, end quote. Uh, that's clearly Joel Klatt, the Fox employee, mm-hmm. talking. Yeah. Not Joel Klatt, the former Colorado quarterback and analyst. Pretty weak sauce by Klatt, I thought. But I guess money fucking talks, and he's clearly towing the line for his employer, Also, one last thing. We got a little (laughs) sleight of hand from the Big Ten today as the conference released the 2024 football schedule for all 18 teams. Nice try there, Big Ten. As if anyone gives two shits about that right now with everything going on. Anyway, PBH, I'm going to kick this over to you. Any new thoughts that you'd like to share on this Michigan science dealing scandal before we move on?
1: yeah i I don't know anymore like i I tweeted or texted you guys like i'm I'm now officially just like I'm confused. Like, <laughs> I don't know i you know, like because there's so many opinions on it um, and you know, is it that egregious it i mean to me, it seems like it is yes, um, you know, and there there's people on our side of the camp right that are like and and there was that other video where you know he said run right you know uh to to the defensive coordinator against uh, last year's uh, michigan game Yeah, you know so yeah so like i i I don't know how like somebody could sit there with a straight face and say wow you still got to line up and 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 stop them which you know so so that that that's one piece The, the other interesting thing though is you know um I don't know if you saw Matt Rule. He He's yeah. starting to change his tune on this. And before, he yeah. was one of the people that said, well, you still got to line up and stop them. Right. Um, and and so then the other canary in the coal mines for me are, right, you got Clat right? Yeah. So he's towing the company line. Cowherd is totally towing the company uh, line. He's the worst
0: parbaugh apologist out there. I don't understand right. the, the connection between those two.
1: Right. And remember, like, I don't know how many years ago, but Harbaugh was on the Cowherd show and he just ended the interview. He's like, "Uh, well, okay, thanks, Jim. So, again, right. It it is all about the Fox executives pressuring and like, hey, we do not want to be piling on. Right. And then you have like, I just love the conspiracy theory of all this shit. And ESPN is totally doing the opposite. Right. Because they're not getting the Big Ten games. Right. So. You know, does it does it make and – th- and then the other two canaries and coal miner, that idiot Dave Portnoy, right, who's the greatest uh, – literally the best gaslighter in the history of the planet, right? Yeah. And he's just going uh, on and on about it. Like, it's we're bigger than you. It's like, dude, you're panicked, and you know right. you're panicked. <laughs> and then Rich Eisen had Bruce Feldman on today. Yeah, Eisen, and, yeah. Michigan and, grad, you know, by the he, way.
0: He's a Michigan yeah, grad. Yeah, totally.
1: Right? He's a Michigan grad, right? And you could just – you could tell, like, he was much more like, well, how bad is it? And, you know, we, we, we can't do anything until we get a verdict. And he's, you know, he's not he's not gaslighting the way Portnoy would be. Right. But you could you, the, the panic in his voice was freaking palatable. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And so, you know, where does it all fall? I have no earthly idea. Yeah. Right. Because it's unprecedented. Uncharted- how could you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my opinion of what I think should happen doesn't really matter. Um, but I just can't get over the, and I, I guess for me, the biggest thing is, you know, whatever they do going forward, you've tainted the run that you've had, especially yep. in us the last two years. Yep. It's thrown out the window. You'll never, you'll never recover. You'll right, never live the that down. That, yep. You'll never live it down. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that to me is just what makes it so fricking hilarious. And, <laughs> you know, will will Harbaugh, he's, he's basically gone if it's in the next week, the next, you know, off season, whatever the case may be, I don't think he can survive this. Um, but it just, you know, like I, I put myself in their shoes. Right. And, you know, you beat us the last two years, but you, don't even have that anymore, Michigan. It's been taken away from you. And whether or not you needed it to beat us or not doesn't matter, right? It's gone. And so, you know, this is your world. You have to live in it. And it's kind of hilarious being on our side. What they should do going forward, I have no freaking earthly idea. Yeah. Yeah. This story, I said
0: before we jumped on that this story is starting to feel like a little bit of a rabbit hole that I'm not sure I want to go down right now. Because like you, I don't have any kind of a handle about how this is going to play out if the claims are true though i don't know how you can allow michigan to compete for the conference championship this year knowing that they probably still maintain a huge competitive advantage over their remaining opponents from the impermissible advanced scouting that they've already done i mean how can you possibly guarantee a level playing field with that team and that coaching staff on it Uh, i mean i think that's all i have to say on the situation right now until more information comes out There's, you know, it could be somehow maybe Michigan gets exonerated or more information comes out and we and then we hear, you know, finally, there's a there's a penalty that's levied. But until then, uh, it's hard for me to listen. It's just hard for me to listen to playoff discussions about Michigan. There's this massive elephant in the room. You know, they're going down the stats of how dominant they are. Well, why are they that dominant? Right. How, yeah. how have they not? There was a, there was a stat going around. This is a couple of weeks old now. I don't know if it's still held up over the last couple of weeks, but the Michigan defense through six weeks, at least had not faced a first and goal in a single game, a stat like that. When it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. I mean, you tell probably, me in these yeah. blow blowouts they've had when they put the third teamers in there, there, there wasn't one drive that ended up in the red zone against them. First and goal. So I just can't hear any conversations about them with respect to the playoff or winning the Big Ten. There's just this huge elephant in the room. And until this gets resolved, um, like you, I just don't know where this is headed. So, And it's a big rabbit hole. You and I could spend three more hours talking about this.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's again, it's probably follow the money, right? And if there's an opportunity, like if you're the Big Ten commissioner and there's an opportunity that you get two teams in the playoff, Right. Um, do do you wanna arbitrarily, you know, cross I don't think you do, honestly. I oh, yeah. I, I mean I really <laughs> don't think you do, which probably makes sense why, you know, Harbaugh if if they're going to do anything, it would be to suspend him and not, you know, take it out, which quote unquote, which is absolutely fucking ludicrous take it out on the players because if the players aren't in on it then what's the point of stealing the signs yeah there's no way the players couldn't have been in on it if some of this video stuff that we in the whole process yeah some of these yeah
0: some of these videos we've seen the players on the sidelines are clearly reacting to what's happening yeah (laughs) the other thought i had and this is i mean on topic with someone off topic i mean is the is the (laughs) The chair of a first-year Big Ten commissioner, like, cursed or what? Because you had Kevin Warren, his first year, had to deal with COVID. And now you got Tony Petiti having to deal with this in his first year. Um, Yeah, listen, the the networks don't give a shit. They want these games to play out. And in fact, they're probably thinking, with this scandal, more people are going to tune in. Yeah, they don't care. And uh, but but if you're Petiti, who are you most beholden to? Is it the television networks who paid seven billion over seven years? Or is it the university presidents who technically are your bosses? Man, this guy is in the pickle of all pickles. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, he's popping Xanax like they're Skittles, man. He is like, I didn't sign up for this shit. Holy cow. You're talking like, about a catch-22. Holy shit. Yeah, what are you clowns doing? No, I, I, dude, there's no way I don't think, you know, they're going to penalize the team this year. If they have to go back, you know, like well, you're like, well, they you know, they don't want it to get worse, and then they have to vacate wins and stuff like that. Nobody really cares about that, right? Vacating
0: like, what, wins, does it does nobody a, a service at all, yeah, especially those so, that – right. Go
1: ahead. So, no, it, yeah. So, um, it, it it's i it 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 is literally the greatest soap opera since like General Hospital in the eighties. It's just yeah. so fucking juicy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's great. I, I mean, it's a it weird all ends. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. It, I, and I'm
0: enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I, I love it. All right. Let's turn our attention. To number one Ohio State visiting Piscataway to play Rikers. Yes, the Buckeyes do play football this coming Saturday. We got to talk about it. The game is a noon Eastern kick on CBS. The line is Ohio State minus eighteen and a half. The over/under is forty-two and a half. The Buckeyes lead the all-time series between these two schools, as we know, uh, well know, nine zip, and that includes a forty-nine to ten win by the Buckeyes in Columbus last season. So, PBH, what I thought I would do here is we'll do our normal thing of kind of looking at at, at this game from each side of the ball. Now, Greg Schiano has the Scarlet Knights playing pretty damn well, though. They come into this game off a of bye at 6-2. Their only losses were on the road at Michigan 31-7 and at Wisconsin 24-13. Now, of course, those are probably the only two good teams they played. However, Rutgers ranks ninth nationally in total defense. Pretty salty on that side of the ball, PBH. They're also ninth in defensive yards per play. They're 13th in scoring defense. They're 2nd nationally in pass defense allowing 156 yards per game, but again, I don't know that they faced any team that is any competent passing games at all. They're 37th nationally against the run. They also don't allow a lot of explosive plays. Funny enough, they actually rank first nationally in allowing opponent scrimmage plays of 30-plus yards just ahead of the Ohio State defense. The Rutgers defense has only allowed four scrimmage plays of 30-plus yards. Ohio State has allowed five. Uh, They don't get after the quarterback, like the last three defenses the Ohio State offense uh, has seen. Uh, Purdue, Penn State, and Wisconsin all rank in the top 30 nationally in quarterback sacks, but Rutgers all the way down at 71st in that category. The Rutgers defense is led by linebacker Mohamed Touré. He is second on the team in tackles. He is also one of the team leaders in quarterback pressures, according to PFF, with 19. And he's Rutgers' third highest graded defensive player, according to PFF, with a grade of 80.6. So he's a guy to watch out for. Another player to watch is safety flip. Dixon, I kind of like that name. Who is fourth on the team in tackles? Dixon is second on the team in snaps played. He never leaves the field, so he's a player that the whole you know the the coaching staff really trusts. He's also Rutgers' top graded defender with a grade of 85.7. Rutgers also has a good cornerback in Robert Longerbeam. Man, listen to that name, Robert Longerbeam. He leads them in pass breakups. <laughs> Longerbeam is also their second highest graded defender according to PFF with a grade of 85.7. Longerbeam also has an excellent pff grade for coverage of 80.9 one of the thing i'll note here davison igbenosen's brother plays in the secondary as well they're both new jersey kids all right pvh i want to kick this over to you what will you be watching when ohio state has the ball against this salty rutgers defense
1: yeah. I mean, you got to give it to Greg Shiano. He puts together good defenses when he's not the highest state defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I mean, again, I'm not, I, you know me, I'm not great on the hypotheticals. Just keep doing what, you know, that, regress, get better offensive line, run the ball, control the game, mm-hmm. um, you know, just It'd be good to, you know, have Abuka back and Trey do his thing. Yeah. Um. You know, I'd like to maybe see, uh, you know, I don't know. Cade, Cade was a non-factor last week. Yeah, he was.
0: Zero targets for, for Cade.
1: Yeah, it was last a little week was weird, weird. yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe Wisconsin say Cade Stover's not going to beat us. Um, I think
0: he's a little nicked up, too. He had a big contraption on one of his knees as well. He. Oh, I don't he think did. he's totally yeah. healthy. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I I I mean we'll, we'll get into it Th- this game does have me concerned though. Um and so, you know, what what do I want to see on one side of the- I I mean I think we know you know who we are at this point. Mm-hmm. Like I expect stellar defensive play um and you know, maybe some some you know clunkiness on the offense. If we don't get that and you know, I'd, you know, maybe how's uh how's Kyle's ankle right I mean that, that was yep huge didn't look good nope. coming out of the Wisconsin game um so you know I say do your thing if you do your thing you take care of business um we'll be fine but if you don't I'm I, th- this game has and I'm gonna stop answering your specific question <laughs> this is the, the off two tough road You know, one last road game, Penn State, noon in Rutgers. This is the letdown game of letdown games, and you cannot fuck around with this team. And that's why, uh, you know, a noon start, I'm sure it's going to be nice and gray in New Jersey this weekend. (laughs) Uh, It's got me a little worried. Okay. All right. I'm going to be
0: watching Kyle McCord like you and that left ankle. McCord had a rough first half last Saturday in Wisconsin, as we've already discussed. Slow starts are kind of his M.O. now, but so are strong finishes. I'm hoping we finally see the return of Emeka Ibuka. He has not played since Maryland. And I said this to you guys over text, and we mentioned it earlier, right? Ibuka, Harrison Jr., and Trey Henderson is a trio. Only played four games together this season. We've already discussed this. You know, against a pretty good Rutgers defense, it would be nice for McCord to have his full complement of weapons finally in this game. So I'm really hoping we see Ekbuka. I want to see Trey Henderson string together a few good performances in a row. I, I don't feel like we've seen that in his career. He was huge last week against Wisconsin. Give him credit, over 200 yards, uh, you know, total, if you consider both rushing and and receptions. But can he replicate that again this week and beyond? This is interesting. Henderson has yet to post three consecutive 100-yard rushing performances in his career at Ohio State, and he has the chance to do that this week against Rutgers. He ran for 104 against Notre Dame. 162 against Wisconsin. Now, granted, (laughs) those two games are five weeks apart because of an injury. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, technically, if he goes for 100 against Rutgers, that would be three straight for him for the first time in his career. So there's an opportunity for Henderson there to start building, I think, some momentum as we head into the month of November and head toward that Michigan game. Now, we found out earlier this week, by the way, that Mayan Williams had season-ending surgery on his knee. Will we finally see a little bit of Dallin Hayden in this game? We know Henderson and Chip Traynor get like the lion's share of the carries. But, you know, Ryan Day said earlier this week that Hayden has been elevated because of the Williams injury. Uh, will we actually see him play, you know, TBD? We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. So yeah. with McCord a little banged up, I'd like to see if the run game can provide some relief and some balance for this offense. I mean, last week I said it, it's like a comfortable old pair of jeans, right? We saw some balance. Yeah. 226 through the year, 181 on the ground. Give me that. All day, every day, and that's how you win Big Ten football games in November. Anything else you want to say about the Ohio State offense against the Rutgers defense before we move on? PPH?
1: Yeah, no. I, as you were talking, and then you touched it. That I think in Ryan, T, he had a comment about Hayden. That's interesting, right? Like, yeah. come on, dude. Like, did you expect guys to play for five years or be in the program yeah, come for on, five let's years? Go. Like, why what are we are you doing? Waiting? Come on, what, what are we doing? And you know, which maybe it won't matter right because if trey plays his game then you know we're not going to need him it's mm-hmm. only when you know Trey's been out and then we're doing running back by committee where you're like that guy might be you know worth getting a few more snaps absolutely but it's 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 you know and then, and then it's hilarious right like okay so Williams what and you you had alluded to it earlier this year like there's something wrong with Williams yeah, and then he, lo, yeah. lo and behold he has season and I just yeah, you know, whatever. They don't do anybody any favors by not disclosing anything about injury. And I don't I understand agree. the cloak and dagger, but Why? it is what it is. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um but yeah.
0: It's the best outcome for everyone, right? Williams, at no point this year did he ever look like himself. He was clearly limited with something. So definitely, you know, wish him a speedy recovery and, and we'll see what his future holds, right? Will he be back next year for, I think he has an, another year of eligibility. Will he, you know, test his prospects yeah. in the NFL? We'll see. Yeah. Okay, let's have a look at the Rutgers offense. Now, they have an interesting athlete and quarterback, Gavin Wimsat who has seven rushing touchdowns this season. They also have a very good running back and Kyle Manungai, who is second in the Big Ten in rushing right now with 744 yards. Menungai also has seven rushing touchdowns for the Scarlet Knights. Rutgers comes into this game a respectable 40th nationally in rushing offense, averaging 179 yards per game, so not bad. But that's about the only area that Rutgers is good at offensively. Um, Overall, still very limited on that side of the ball. Scarlet Knights are all the way down at 108th nationally in total offense, averaging 327 yards per game. They're 97th in offensive yards per play. They're 127th nationally in passing offense, averaging only 148 yards per game. So this is probably the epitome of a one-dimensional offense, PVH. So give me a few thoughts here, PVH, about the Ohio State defense against that Rutgers offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to do better than that to, you know, yeah. take it to our defense, especially, what did you say, 127th? 127th in passing offense. Like, uh, how, how is that? <laughs> like, I, I like know. That, that that means that, like, I, I don't know, Vanderbilt has a better passing attack. Like, you are Rutgers. I don't, it it's just <laughs> astonishes me sometimes how these teams are so bad at certain passes. Oh, my passes. God. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's not going to be good enough. I mean, against – like, you, you need a multifaceted approach from an offensive perspective to, you know, beat this defense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're going to – I would expect them to, to, you know, put their corners on islands against their wideouts. I and, would think so. And, you know, stack the box and, you know, stop the run and uh, beat us with the pass if you can is probably what i don't know like heavy rpo so you know put steel chambers on that guy if he likes to run the ball a lot or whatever the case may be have somebody just you know follow him all around the field but i'm you know i i just don't know how an offense like that is going to be able to you know sustain drives and put up a points against our defense
0: i agree just play to your standard buckeyes be fundamentally sound tackle well Wimsat and Manongay, they'll hurt you if you're not fundamentally sound, you don't tackle well. But if you look at their numbers against the only two good defenses they faced this season, Wimsat and Manongay combined for 56 yards rushing against Michigan, and they combined for 59 yards rushing against Wisconsin. So I tend to think the Buckeyes could do the same in this game. Buckeyes will likely be without Lathan Ransom in this game. Now, he had to leave the Wisconsin game last Saturday with a non contact injury to his foot or ankle, and as someone who's blown out his Achilles before, I watched the replay. I I hope that's not the case, but he would be a big loss for them. Thankfully, Ohio State does have some depth. I think it's probably going to be Sonny Styles moving into the bandit role with Jordan Hancock then sliding in at the slot. So I think the Ohio State is going to be just fine. Certainly in this game, PBH. Anything else you want to say about the Ohio State uh, defense against the Rutgers
1: offense before we move on to our concernometer scores? I mean, I was concerned ransom Taurus Achilles too. And I mean if he if if he did have surgery, we would know. Like they would say that. So yeah. um, you know, get that guy healthy for Michigan, right? I don't want to see him on the field right. for any games until Michigan. Yep. Right? Because he's a gamer, right? And yeah, we have depth back there, but no more freaking, you know, critical injuries for this team. So yeah. um I'm, I'm hopeful that it was just yeah he tweaked something and he'll be back in a few weeks. But do not rush that guy back whatsoever. Please.
0: I totally agree, and I hope it's not serious. It's just hard to know, right? As you as you know, yeah, with the way crazy. they handle injuries and the vacuum of information around him, it's just hard to know if it's if it's serious. Can we expect him back? Okay, PBH, let's fire up the concernometer. Give me your concernometer readout for this game
1: so i kind of alluded to it i texted i was earlier this week in eight and i'm still up there Um, wow i mean i'm not quite an eight i'll bring it down to 6.5 wow but I, i i i'm very worried about two coming off two tough games yeah a noon start um, you know, and Shiano's going to pull some crazy ass flea flicker stuff. He's going to pull yep. every trick out of the bag on offense. <laughs> um, Ohio State, you can't you can't fall for that um, banana just, in the tailpipe. <laughs> yeah, don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. I, um it just has letdown game written all over it for me so you know normally I should be at about a four but no I'm at a solid 6.5 Wow okay oh, a,
0: a very interesting role reversal between you and me yeah. this week because my concern with me to read out is that a solid four salty Rutgers defense I know and we know as you've noted Shiano's going to reach into his bag of tricks for this for this game for sure. Uh, his teams also can usually do a little something, something on special teams, and we know yeah. special teams in our in our forte. And by the way, Rutgers had an extra week to prepare for this game; they were off last yeah, week.
1: Off a bye. Buckeyes, yeah.
0: as you've noted, a little beat up, coming off the Penn State Wisconsin back to back. Otherwise, my score. My concern on me to readout would probably be a couple of points lower as it usually is for Rutgers. But uh, I don't know. Now you got me rethinking my concern on me. To I'm going to hold it a four PVH. Your concern's duly noted.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the gambling manifesto, this has a lot of, you know, tried oh and true you know variables to it right yeah i mean the the let down after those those two and 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 make no mistake like that guy's a good coach right yeah, he is um and you know in in short order he's you know i mean they're six and two you yeah. know um, bowl eligible <laughs> bowl eligible um you know and then the noon starts yeah um so you know yeah i mean okay i i Got to come out quick. Don't, don't, don't yeah. let them hang around Ohio State.
0: I, I, I'm with you. You're making a, you're making a sound argument for a letdown performance in this game. I hope you're wrong. Okay, PVH, let's go to score predictions before you give me yours. Again, the line is Ohio State minus eighteen and a half. The over/under is forty-two and a half. Now it doesn't look like weather is going to be a factor in Piscataway. Temps in the high fifties to low sixties. Overcast. Only two to three percent chance of rain, according to the Weather Channel. PVH, give me a score prediction for this game.
1: So, I had originally written down uh, twenty-eight to twenty-one. Wow! Uh, I'm I'm gonna adjust it a teeny bit and go thirty to eighteen.
0: Thirty to eighteen. Okay, that would be Ohio State's highest point total surrendered. So far this season, the, the most points they've given up so far this season with the 17, they gave up to Maryland. So maybe you're thinking Rutgers gets a special teams touchdown or something. They block a punt, return a I, Jared, punt, for I, touchdown I, I'm worried about this game. Okay.
1: I, I, for whatever reason, the score prediction out the window, who cares? It's just, <laughs> okay. I just think I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the gambling manifesto and this has all the hallmarks all right. of
0: an upset. I respect it. I got Ohio State 31 to 6. I'm counting on the return of Emeka Gbuka, and if that happens, I think we're going to see a little more juice from this Ohio State offense. I think the defense puts the clamps on a very limited Rutgers offense. And, and again, you know, you go back to the only two good defenses Rutgers has seen. Uh, you know, Wimsatt and Manungai didn't do shit against either of those two defenses. This Ohio State defense is at least as good as the two other defense quality defenses they saw in Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, so I, I expect them to, to shut down Rutgers on, on that side of the ball. Uh, but I'm going to try not to overreact if this game is 10-6 to 6 or 14-6 to 6 at the half because that's just the world the Buckeyes have been living in this yeah. season, man,
1: right? Well, it, yeah, keep going.
0: Yeah. So I think the Buckeyes pull away in the second half, but you and I are probably going to be talking at halftime. We might be a little nervous at halftime.
1: <laughs> right. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I think we need to embrace, like, yeah, even if that's the case, right? Like, I think our defense will come through. Um, I mean, they're, you know, again, who have they played? I don't know. But those, you know, they they apparently have a pretty decent defense. Yeah. Um, So, you know, if it's not just a a blowout and offensive juggernaut, I'm still I'm still bullish about Ohio State, you know, um, clearly, obviously. But. It's just a different way to win, and I think we're all going through this transition of understanding. Hey, it's okay, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we might get a you know, Trey's going to pop that run at you know, whatever in the early fourth quarter, and we're going to pull away. But it might be much closer for than you know we would otherwise comfortably want it to be against you know these teams. Yeah, in, this, in the last few years, I, I
0: definitely this definitely has of all of Ryan Day's teams. This is this definitely has. Trestle vibes probably the only oh, right. one that has had Jim Trestle vibes and you remember what Beck, you know at at the peak well early 2000s right 2002 2000, 2003 a seven point lead seemed like a pretty big lead for that Ohio State defense right and it kind yeah. of feels that way uh but you know it, it is an adjustment from from the way Ohio State has played over the last few years so yeah I agree with you I we, we're just learning to be comfortable with closer games uh you know especially going right. into the fourth quarter so this just in from Uh-oh. Pete Thamel.
1: Oh God! Wait, this is are you breaking news. Are you this just like in from Pete Thamel? One? This
0: is a this is a tweet that he just sent out two minutes ago. Big Ten athletic directors sense a change in tenor from Commissioner Tony Patiti on Michigan allegations. Per sources, Patiti revealed to the ads he's engaged with the NCAA about the details of Michigan's alleged sign stealing ring. Will action follow question mark? And there is an article, of course, that, that is you know, attached, included with that post. I'm going to read a little bit of this. Big Ten athletic directors met with Commissioner Tony Petitti on a video call Thursday without Michigan athletic director Ward Manuel present, and sources told ESPN the call about Michigan's alleged science-stealing operation took on a distinctly different tenor than when they met a week ago. Sources said the athletic directors left the call with the notion that Petitti is taking the Big Ten's ability to punish Michigan over the allegations more seriously than previously. While no potential and punishments were discussed, Petiti acknowledged speaking with the NCAA about its investigation, although he refused to divulge any details of that conversation, sources said. One of the issues Petiti brought up with the athletic directors was that he couldn't make a decision on Michigan this season based on a whim that he would need to get a set of facts to go off of. The conversation with the NCAA hints at a willingness to find out what facts that the NCAA could be working toward. It's not known whether the NCAA would be willing to share information, but it's telling that the organization gave the Big Ten an initial heads up on what was alleged, an action taken part to protect the integrity of the games. So the article goes on. I recommend to our listeners that you read it, but it feels like things now are shifting and we might be headed toward some significant action. Against Michigan, PBH, your thoughts?
1: I, it doesn't change anything. I mean, um, I, I, I guess. I guess the question would be kind of back to what Chad said: Do we want it to, to affect them this year? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I again, I, I'm so back and forth on this whole thing. Um, I, you know, the 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 NCAA is useless. So what are you waiting for? Right. If if you're gonna wait for them, we'll wait and we'll die. We'll all die. (laughs) Um, They did it. We all know they did it. Um, But I don't know what the right punishment is. I really don't. And you know, so I I don't don't even know that. that changes my compass one way or the other. So know, to the, to your point about the NCAA,
0: the article goes on, and again, this is from Pete Thamel on ESPN, quote, at the heart of the call, much like the coaches call the night before, was the lack of faith in NCAA enforcement to quickly investigate and rule on Michigan's case, sources said. That has brought to the forefront what the Big Ten has the authority to do in the situation. The conference could initiate its own investigation into potential violations of the Big Ten sportsmanship policy... While Petiti has the authority to dictate discipline, if it's beyond a standard level, it must be looked at by an executive committee that could approve, deny, or lessen the discipline. The most powerful message, according to sources familiar with the call, came from Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Haller. He mentioned the alterations in preparation that Michigan State needed to go through prior to its game with Michigan when he received a call on Wednesday of the of the game at that game week, about Michigan having Michigan State's signals. How they're worried about players potentially getting hurt because Michigan players, in theory, knew where the plays would be going. End quote. Okay, again, going to point our listeners to this article just released, uh, just tweeted out by Pete Thamel on uh, Twitter. A lot to absorb there, but it feels like things are kind of progressing. Uh, PVH, why don't we get back to the action on the field? Let's. I, I
1: just have what well, Literally... Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer literally broke the will of that football program. <laughs> they, they destroyed it. They utterly fucking sent it to the dustbin. The, the winningest college football program in the history of the sport, and they sent it to the dustbin. It's it's astonishing.
0: In that it, they sent it to the dustbin. In that they beat them like like a you know like a drum for whatever it was twenty 25 twenty five years. years, and now they've had to resort to cheating yeah to beat Ohio yeah. State. I love it. I it's love just,
1: it just where you are. yeah I love it too. It's literally I, I don't even really care where it I guess that's the last thing. I don't really care where it ends up, you know the damage um, is done.
0: the damage is already done it,
1: it's done. It's totally done.
0: <laughs> All right, let's have a look at some of these other key games. Happening around the country here. Let's start with another noon eastern kick. Your favorite PBH. Nice. Notre Dame visits Clemson. That's fifteenth ranked Notre Dame at seven and two visits four and four. Clemson having a rough, rough season. However, the line is only Notre Dame minus three. The over-under is forty-four and a half. Who do you like in this game, PBH?
1: Wow. Only three. Only three in Death wow. Valley. Yeah. That's yeah. After the Dabo death talk on his call-in show um i mean i guess people are thinking that uh Dabo is going to rally the troops i don't think it's going to get it done i love that i might back the brinks truck up for marcus and the notre damers there. notre domers <laughs> the golden um, domers notre <laughs> domers i'm sorry paul i'm sorry um that, that that's astonishing to yeah. me um yeah yeah and and not that we won't want to go down this rat hole, but that was hilarious too. Like he, he like yeah. eviscerated some guy on a call show and showing maybe the guy was a condescending jerk. But you know what? If you make eleven million dollars a year, have thicker fucking skin. And I'm surprised a lot of the pundits <laughs> you know, they rallied to Dabo. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're defending this like, guy? Come on. You're defending this clown. Yeah. It's it, I that that part was was nuts to me. I'm like, you don't make 11 million dollars a year to go four and four and i agree you're the problem like dude if a high estate went four and four brian day would be living in bermuda <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't even have a call-in show like what are we talking it's insanity yeah. i love i love notre dame
0: yeah i like notre dame in this one tough place to win uh death valley for sure and i believe Actually some bad news for Notre Dame last week. Mitchell Evans, that stud tight end of theirs, Torn ACL. He's done yeah. for the year. But I, I love that Notre Dame defense. I love Audric Estime, that run game. I think Notre Dame finds a way to get it done. I think it'll be a close game, but but I like the Irish in that game. All right. Let's keep scrolling down here. Number twelve, Missouri visits. Georgia in Athens, number two Georgia, Missouri at seven and one, number twelve Georgia, undefeated at eight, no number two in the college football playoff rankings. The line is UGA minus fifteen and a half. The over under is fifty five and a half. How do you see this one, PBH?
1: It was close last year, right? It was was very close. It was Georgia lost the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm taking the other way. I think Georgia. I'm not ever a big believer in Missouri, so I think Georgia. Crushes them, and I think Georgia's probably like Ohio State, getting a little bit better uh, and finding other ways to win since Bowers is out. So I'm going Georgia. Yeah, that's a good read on that game, PVH. Uh, I, I agree. I think
0: Georgia rolls. Okay. Also at 3:30 Eastern, 12:30 Pacific, Penn State, number 11, Penn State visits Maryland, and Maryland's been kind of reeling in the in recent weeks. However, it's kind of a rivalry game. Kind of a tricky spot for Penn State. They're still figuring on things out offensively. They really struggled last week at home with Indiana. The line is only Penn State minus eight. Again, this game is being played in College Park. Maryland's kind of a different team when they play at home. The over under is forty nine and a half. Who do you like in this game, PVH?
1: I like Penn State. Yeah. I think. You know, the last week, you know, they were life and death. Um, so that was their letdown game. They'll they'll take care of business this week. I like Penn State to cover.
0: I think so too. You know, don't don't uh, don't overthink it here. You know, you got a good defense. You can run the football, and Maryland is not a very good uh, run defense. So you know, get in there, run the ball, play good defense, get out of there. I think Penn State covers. All right, Great. let's see what else are we looking at here. Oh, this is kind of interesting game in the Pac twelve. Number five, Washington, visits number 20, USC. We know USC has mm. been struggling in recent weeks, especially with that Alex Grinch defense. Man, did Ohio State dodge a bullet by not making a long term commitment to Alex Grinch? That guy's terrible. Um, I don't know, though, could be a tricky spot for Washington. They have also struggled in recent weeks, but they've managed to avoid the upset. The over under is 76.5 in this game. Washington is a three-point favorite in this one. Who do you like, PBH, in this game?
1: 76. 76 and a half. <laughs> Yeah. Has Iowa scored 76 points all well, year? Well, here's
0: a better um, over-under. What's the over-under on defensive stops? in the? What's the over-under yeah. on punts in this game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Two. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, USC's reeling, clearly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah... <laughs> Who's favorite at Washington minus three on the road at USC. Not a, is there a home field advantage at Memorial Coliseum? No, only when, only when I was there with Barnes and uh, you know, Pete Carroll had, you know, Reggie Bush and stuff like that and they kick the shit out of us. Only when I go to stadiums is there a gigantic home field advantage at, uh, at the Coliseum. It's a horrible, <laughs> horrible venue. Uh, but I dig- I digress. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of maybe feeling USC here a little bit.
0: I'm with you. I kind of feel like maybe USC gets it done in a shootout. A game that's played in the 40s. High 40s. I'm going to take USC. I feel like the Pac-12... They're about to start eating each other, right? They're about to start, yeah. right? Um, so I'm going to take USC in this one. Uh, how could I have overlooked this game? This should be a great one at 7:45 Eastern. Number 14 LSU at number eight Alabama. The line is Alabama minus three. The over under is 61 and a half. Who do you like in this game, PBH?
1: Oh, like Bama. I mean, if yeah. it were at LSU, I'd give them a puncher's chance, but I'm I'm I, I'm you know it, it you know we often talk about we love the fact that hey take the spotlight off of ohio state mm-hmm. alabama has been flying under the radar yeah. all year nobody's talking about them mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of probably you know saving the you know ultra motivator uh, is probably relishing this to some degree, um, and then uh, then he'll start his you know campaign to be in the the playoff, even if he loses the next three games. Like, well, we would be favored against everybody else, but uh, I like Bama. This should be a great battle between the
0: Bama defense and LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. Good player, Jaden Daniels, over twenty five hundred yards passing already, twenty five touchdowns, three ints. Should be a hell of a game. It always is. I'll definitely be tuning in. Uh hmm.
1: Who does Oregon play this I
0: week? I guess I'm gonna take Bama in this one as well. I think it's gonna be oh, close sorry.
1: though. That Dan that Daniel's a hell of a player. Is sorry, it? go ahead, PVH. What was the question? No, I thought um I was also I was wondering, and I didn't mean to cut you off. Who who does Oregon play this week? They play at because, home against Cal. Oh, yeah. Well no, in- that dude, and the reason why I bring it up, that was they went into Utah and kicked the shit out of that team. Yeah, and I did. didn't think that would happen.
0: Yeah. They look uh, that good. That was, dude, they look good. Yeah. They, um, they look like a legitimate college football playoff contender, for sure. Yes, they do. Yeah. 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 So, all right, buddy. Uh, hey, man, I think it was a not bad of an effort for for a Thursday night. Why don't we end things there? Let's do it. All right. And uh, for all our again. listeners, I will be back with a postgame pod on Sunday looking back at Ohio State's performance against Rutgers. And then the three of us. Idiots. Hey, Paige, Chad, and myself will be back with you on Thursday to preview Michigan State. Until then, thanks so much for listening, everybody, and go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.